Abbeys. The War Years episodes are part of the series In the Shadow of the Abbey. They recount the real challenges of life in Bisson Village following World War I, 1918 to 1924, and are sourced primarily from the local parish reports which were published each May, reflecting on the events of the past year. They covered all aspects of life on the Bisson estate. These were written by the Reverend Farrer, who was the vicar of All Saints Bisson from 1899 to 1924. Episode 5, May 1921 The War Memorial Burial of the Unknown Soldier Bisson Memorial Tablet Unveiled Start of the School Bus from Hurley Carving Class Delivers and No Bathing in July Life was taking longer than expected to get back to normal. In my last letter, I referred to the difficulties and anxieties which the years of war had caused and which had still to be faced with patience and courage. Our hopes that the troubled sea would calm down have not yet been fulfilled. The past year has been marked by a sad prevalence of doubts, disputes, distractions and fears. People were still coming to terms with the loss of loved ones and the realisation that life would never be quite the same. November 1920 was the burial of the unknown soldier in London, intended to provide a focus for the grief of the nation. On November the 8th, General Louis John Wyatt, the officer in charge of British troops in France and Belgium, selected a body to represent the fallen. One had been brought from each of the major British cemeteries on the Somme. The chosen body was put in a casket of two-inch thick oak grown at Hampton Court. On the top was a medieval crusader's sword given by the King from the Tower of London and a plate reading, A British warrior who fell in the Great War 1914-1918 to for King and Country. The casket was taken across the Channel on HMS Verdun, accompanied by a flotilla of French and Royal Navy ships, and then by train to London. A grave was dug under the stones in Westminster Abbey, in ground undisturbed since the 11th century, for the warrior to lie with 17 monarchs. At 10.50 on November the 11th, the gun carriage carrying the casket reached the cenotaph, newly built in Portland Stone. The king added a handwritten note in proud memory of those who died unknown in the Great War, as unknown and yet well known, as dying and behold they live. George R. November 11th, 1920. On the last strike of 11, the king raised his cap and bowed his head. The flags dropped and the two-minute silence began. Everything stopped. At 11.02, eight buglers sounded the last post. The gun carriage proceeded down Whitehall to Westminster Abbey, followed by the King and a pilgrimage of servicemen and public on foot. At 1pm, the doors of Westminster Abbey opened and the public crowds filed past the grave for another three days. Reverend Farrow records, Meanwhile, our parish life has been of the happy kind that has no history. 
The chief event in our parish was the completion of our war memorial in the church. The memorial tablet and the altar rails were erected in time for the dedication service held at 6pm on Easter Day. There was a very large congregation, the occasion being one which appealed to all. The service was entered into with evident sympathy and earnestness. Many seemed pleased to have copies of the dedication service as mementos. It is a matter of deep satisfaction to us all that we have been able to commemorate those whose names are inscribed upon it in such a handsome and worthy form. Sixteen names were inscribed. All who have seen the memorial with the names so clearly written in letters of gold and the beautiful figures of St Michael and St George on either side are unanimous in their admiration of Mr Cogswell's design and of the way in which the work has been executed by Messrs Whitehead of Kennington Oval. The altar rails are generally thought to be a great improvement. Mr Cogswell designed these and they were carved by Mr Rogers, whose skill is well known. The letters of the inscription, in remembrance of sacrifice and service, 1914 to 1918, are beautifully carved. The whole of the work is of oak, stained dark to harmonise with the reredo, and the general effect is very good. It was owing to the generous promises which were made when the proposal to erect a tablet was first stated that we were able to make the memorial a really handsome and permanent ornament to the church. Every time we enter the church, the tablet will say to us, in the words of H.D. Rawnsley, See ye to it, that these shall not have died in vain. Once more, let me say, honour, eternal honour to their names. The tablet itself cost £306 six shillings, and the war memorial account showed subscriptions totalling £450 seven shillings. It is hard for us to understand the scale of these subscriptions. To give some context, the rent on George Harding's house for a year was £14. At the East Vestry, the outgoing church wardens again consented to hold office. Sir H. Van Neil as vicar's warden and Mr. T. Young as parish warden. Mr. F. Harding, who was butler at the Abbey, was nominated as sidesman in addition to those previously. The offertories for the year amounted to £91. This is very satisfactory, considering that several of our larger houses are empty or not represented at church very frequently. Unfortunately, the absentees do not often remember to send the shilling or one and six they would have given if present at church. I must thank those who give annual subscriptions and who help on all occasions. Demands increase and means decrease. God loveth a cheerful giver. The church accounts showed a small balance in hand, but... We have to reposition the Brinkhurst brasses. These brasses represent the family who owned Temple Mill in the early 1600s, then a woollen mill. John Brinkhurst became a powerful and wealthy merchant venturer and endowed the almshouses in Marlow with places for two Bisson widows of good character. However, as Catholics, they were persecuted and fined, and the final dates in the brasses were never filled in. And rearranged the seats, which had to be moved in order to make the space available for the tablet. Also, 
Mr. Cogswell would very much like to be allowed to colour and gild the figures, as he said it would bring them out better. At present we have not consented to this, as we like the saints' figures so much as they are, but several artistic friends have said it would be an improvement, so we may be persuaded to have it done. At a meeting on May the 9th to receive the Treasurer's report and accounts, the committee expressed their approval of the way in which the work had been carried out. Mrs H. Randall and Mr F. Harding gained valuable help in collecting subscriptions. The tablet in the church is the official war memorial in Bissom. In the school, the chief change was... The decision of the Berkshire Education Committee to send children from Hurley to our school. Some 20 children are conveyed from and to Hurley by motorcar daily. It is a system that has its drawbacks, but saves Hurley and the ratepayers of the district several hundreds of pounds a year. Hurley is about four miles by road or two miles on foot along the river. The school increased in numbers from other parts also. Education was focused by county. However, ten families sent children across the boundary from Marlow to Bissom School. It is well maintaining its reputation and the attendance has reached a very high percentage. The schoolmaster lived in the schoolhouse which was attached to the schoolrooms. A new fence has been made in closing the schoolhouse. The evening of the school treat was hopelessly wet and no games were possible after tea. However, a generous subscription by Mrs Thomas of a guinea meant that a programme of races and prizes was held on a later date. We received a most generous gift of money for a treat for the school children at Christmas. The gift was very much appreciated and the children had a very happy evening. Some money remained over which will be spent on the children's games and sports. Village activities were continuing. The Women's Institute had a very successful first year. The meetings were well attended and were very popular. The carving class in the church was held about 30 times and Mr A. Ellis and Mr Jones kindly helped me on those evenings. The attendance was lowered by the counter-attraction of the billiard table at the Institute. The class made a very handsome oak chest which remains in the church with each member carving a panel of it. The Bisson Club and Institute has had a very successful year. The billiard table and the new room and cloakrooms added greatly to the attraction of the club and the entertainment and comfort of the members. The club is indebted to Sir Henry Vansittart Neal for his subscription to the popular book club as well as his annual subscription. William Farrer was treasurer of the Institute in 1920, serving alongside George Harding, who was still secretary. Sir Henry's kindness in charging only a nominal rent for the new buildings is much appreciated, as are the generous subscriptions of two guineas each from Major Fowdell Phillips and Mr A. F. Petch. The War Savings Association was still at work, although business was not very brisk. By this time, many certificates would have been redeemed. We are all sorry that Mr and Mrs Rich have left the parish. He was one of our school managers and helped in many ways by annual subscription, gifts to the church and first aid lectures. The rainfall for 1920 was 3 inches below the average of 25.03 inches. July was wet and cold. 5.46 was the fall in the month. The cold weather made bathing unpopular. A visitor gave me a pound for prizes. 
but we were never able to have any tests or races, so the pound must be competed for this summer. February, March and April this year have been abnormally dry. The chestnuts were in full bloom before the end of April. The football club has had a very successful season. The games have been well contested and much enjoyed. 26 matches were played, of which 12 were won, 6 drawn and 8 lost. Goals for 26, against 46. Frederick Harding was the Honourable Secretary and Treasurer, but most importantly the scorer. Apparently he used to have a board outside his house in the village, showing the score. The cricket club has been set on foot again. Mr Jones is the captain and Mr F Harding is the secretary. A good beginning had been made. With my usual expression of thanks to all who have helped the church and the school and the parish in whatever way and hoping for a continuance of their kindness, I remain yours sincerely, W Farrah. Thank you for joining me today. Listen again to find out what happens next in the war years. Discover more about the people of Bissom in the Village Stories and the Abbey History episodes.